Let us continue our beautiful worship in a spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If I were a first-century preacher, trying to introduce you, the church, to the person of Jesus, I might use the story of Joseph to do it. For us today, Jesus' story is so intimately known to us, we feel the rhythms of it in our church calendar. But if we were to imagine this story anew, imagine we had never heard it before and needed an introduction to Jesus. Perhaps for many of us, that means recapturing our childlike innocence and wonder when we first met Jesus. Or as an older adult, the awe and inspiration we got when we heard the story of Jesus. But if we were first century Jews, the story of Jesus might have come to us through oral stories and tradition, but it would have been new and unfinished. And yet we would have intimately known the Hebrew scriptures, the various stories of Genesis, including the Joseph story. And so, if I were a first-century preacher, I might give a sermon about Joseph in order to explain who Jesus was, especially his final days. There are so many parallels through the entirety of Joseph's story, which continues on through the end of the book of Genesis. Genesis sometimes rushes through hundreds and hundreds of years and then stops abruptly and follows one character for a long time. And that's the case for Joseph. And so in the passage we heard today, we learn of Joseph being betrayed and mistreated by his brothers, not unlike how our Lord Jesus was betrayed by his closest friends and disciples. While Jude sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver to Roman authorities, Joseph's brothers sell him for 20 pieces of silver to slave traders. Whereas Jesus is imprisoned in the high priest Caiaphas's pit before, sorry, before his crucifixion, Jesus is in a pit in Caiaphas's house. Joseph, in this story, is in a pit while his brothers eat above and taunt him. We, as readers of the Bible know Joseph primarily by his many-colored coat, especially those of you who might have seen the musical. And Jesus, at his crucifixion, has a coat that the guards cast lots for his garment. Both Jesus and Joseph are mistreated and dehumanized by people who were supposed to care for and protect them. If we skip ahead to the end of the Joseph story, we know the ending. We know that our God is a God of salvation. Joseph finds himself falsely accused of a crime and imprisoned, and yet by being in this foreign land, God uses Joseph and his abilities to interpret dreams to save many people, including 
his brothers from famine. God has saved Joseph from all the terrible circumstances he found himself in, sometimes quite miraculously or unexpectedly. In the same way, salvation came through Jesus Christ in his miraculous and unexpected resurrection. The Jesus story is the ultimate story of salvation. And throughout our scriptures, we have many other stories of salvation too. Perhaps you learned some of these other stories in Sunday school, Noah and the ark, Jonah and the whale, Daniel and the lion's den. Each of these stories illustrate that God can save ordinary people from circumstances that seem impossible in miraculous, creative, and unexpected ways. These Sunday school stories in particular captured my imagination as I was growing up, and I soon had a need for a salvation story of my own. When I was about six years old, I began to live with my father and stepmother, which was determined to be a more stable environment than living with my mother. At first, I adapted and was happy, and I figured everything would be okay. I missed my mom, but I figured I would still get to see her. But slowly, things began to get strange. My stepmother began harshly punishing me for small things or nothing at all. She began to be very controlling with my actions about what I would do and who I would see, limiting them, including limiting seeing my mother. And eventually, she became abusive towards me, first with her words, then with her actions. I found it to be the case that from generation to generation, hurt people hurt people. And that was certainly the case here. By the time I was almost 10 years old, about four years of living in this way, things had become worse and worse until it was almost unbearable. There would be nights when I would take stock of my wounds, counting my bruises, noting which ones had which colors and how the older ones changed from purple and blue to red, green, and yellow. And it was in that dark moment that I turned to the God I knew in my heart. This was the God I had learned about in Sunday school, the God who had saved Noah, Jonah, Daniel, and my favorite, Joseph. This God saved them from circumstances far more bizarre and worse than mine, and yet to me, this circumstance also felt like it was life or death. I never questioned God's existence in the face of such violence, although others might have. Instead, I would pray urgently, saying, God, I know you're present and you're able. All I ask is that you act now. I don't think I can bear this much longer. I wonder if Joseph felt in a similar way while he was in the pit or in prison or in a foreign land, not knowing if he would ever be able to get out and be reconciled with those he loved. 
Did he cry himself to sleep in prayer the way I did? Did he ask God, God, why did those people who were supposed to love me do this to me? I am young, and the only thing I did wrong was have dreams. Please save me somehow, any way you can. I don't know how much longer I can take this. And in the version of the story we read today, the small portion, we see that God does save Joseph's life, perhaps not in the way he might have hoped. But first, his older brother Reuben goes against the crowd mentality of his brothers, and he doesn't kill Joseph on the spot. Joseph's life is spared in that moment, although the trade-off was he was sold as a slave. In order to be sold, he is lifted up out of that pit. In a similar way, Jesus Christ was lifted up out of the pit and nailed to a wooden cross for our salvation in order that no one would have to suffer violence again. After about three days of crying myself urgently to sleep each night, praying with all that I had within me, one night, my dad came up to my room, and he told me he and my stepmother were getting a divorce. I could finally breathe a sigh of relief. I could finally tell the truth. I knew in that moment with such certainty that God had clearly answered my prayers. My hope had been rewarded and my life had been spared. My dreams had the chance to flourish, including the dream that I would soon have to become a minister in God's church. Throughout every moment of those years especially, I was given the gift of faith. I knew God was with me. I knew God was with me in the pit, just as Jesus was in the pit, just as Jesus descended into hell and was there for three days, was in the darkest depths of the earth. Jesus has been there, and I took comfort in that. In the final verses of the Joseph story, there's a line that says, Joseph's brothers intended to do him harm, but God turned it into good. This does not mean that God condones the violence done. Of course not. The opposite, in fact. God is also not the source of violence and evil and hatred in our world. And yet, in the midst of that violence, Joseph survived, I survived, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, survived even after being put to death on the cross. What I think Joseph did, and Jesus does, and I try to do, is that as a survivor of violence, to use that experience and empathy to advocate for the vulnerable and currently impoverished who are in pits of their own from which they cannot get out. Perhaps we, as Christ Church, are the answer to their prayers that we can do everything we can to be God's ambassadors to help save people from whatever pit of despair they are in.
I feel lucky that I was able to escape this pit. Not everyone's story ends the way mine did. So many end in heartbreak, with continued violence, trauma, and even death. Theologian Paul Maxwell says it well. He says, God remembers the evil that caused our traumas. He will not forget the transgression of our abuser, But in Scripture, God interrupts these stories of redemption with short stories of lives interrupted by trauma, some that are never resolved for us. But one day, God will bring all of it into the light with crystal clarity and perfect justice. And it is important to know, Maxwell says, that trauma is not a life sentence. It is not something that has to control us forever. No trauma is bigger than God. Trauma is not a life sentence. Instead, God gives us resilience and hope, faith and dreams that keep us imagining a better future that breaks the cycle of generational violence. And for me, perhaps because of my trauma, I have this special heart for the vulnerable, whether it is children, the mentally ill, prisoners, cancer patients, and other vulnerable populations. As part of the body of Christ, I know I'm called to be Christ's hands and feet and do all I can do to ease the suffering and work for justice for these groups. We know that stories are powerful. God works through stories to inspire us and challenge us. And at the center of all the biblical stories is the story of our Savior Jesus. In Joseph's story, I see Jesus' story. In my story, I see Jesus' story. And in your story, I see the story of Jesus. And so, as your 21st century preacher here today, my prayer and blessing for you is that you too see Jesus at work in your stories of struggle and triumph. In times of faith or doubt, may you know that God is powerful and loving and cares for you as a beloved child of God. For us here at Kirk in the Hills, we are called to envision a world where every heart experiences God's love. And so I entreat you to look for the hearts that are vulnerable. Look for the Josephs in this world who are in pits, in need of someone to lift them out. Look for the hurt people who are stuck in these cycles of violence and do what you can to help them break those cycles. And above all, may we all turn to our Lord God, who is able to be bigger than our traumas and the answer to our prayers. Amen.